Hello, South Shores. Let's all take a deep breath just for a minute, okay? Because 2020 has been a very difficult year for all those on planet Earth. I believe in part it's because technology, while helping us in some places, has brought us to a place where we are experiencing all of the Earth's problems all at once. And I don't think we were built that way to be able to take it. But with all this in mind, in spite of how hard 2020 has been, I want us to recall a different time when the world was, uh, in a similar way, shaken, but very differently. I'm talking about World War II. Some of us here at church experienced World War II. You were alive that time. Some of us have only read about it or seen movies about it, and some of you, especially children and teenagers, you don't know much about it at all. World War II involved many countries from, from around the globe, and it lasted from 1939 to 1945. The majority of the world's countries, including all the big powers, eventually formed two opposing military alliances. One side called the Allied Powers, the other the Axis Powers, and a state of total war came out of it. It ended up involving more than 100 million people from more than 30 different countries. And it sadly became the deadliest conflict in human history. 70 to 85 million deaths. Tens of millions of people died during this time due to war, due to genocides like the Jewish Holocaust, deaths from starvation, massacres, disease. And when World War II began in 1939 with the German Nazi invasion of Poland, the United States tried to stay out of the conflict at first. That's until it, it could no longer stay neutral. America's isolation from that war ended on December 7th, 1941, when Japan staged a surprise attack on the American military in the Pacific Ocean. The most destructive strike came at Pearl Harbor, the Hawaiian naval base where most of the U.S. Pacific fleet was anchored. In a two-hour attack, Japanese warplanes sank or damaged 18 U.S. ships and destroyed 164 aircraft. And did you know that over 2,400 servicemen and civilians lost their lives? On December 8th, President Roosevelt asked Congress to declare war against Japan. The declaration passed with just one no vote. Three days later, Germany, Italy, and Japan declared war on the United States. America was now in a global war. The United States found itself underprepared and wounded in December 1941. Our nation was now at war with three intimidating enemies, and it had to prepare to fight on two distant and very different fronts, Europe and the Pacific. Now, by late 1942, all men in the United States aged 18 to 64 were required to register for the military draft. It's hard to argue that there isn't a more powerful portrait of the United States' involvement in World War II than a 2001 miniseries called Band of Brothers. Now, in this 10-part series, we get to know Easy Company. Easy Company was the 2nd Battalion 
of the 506th Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division, United States Army. Now, the historian Stephen Ambrose, whose book Band of Brothers spawned this series, he actually borrowed the name Band of Brothers from Shakespeare. It was in Shakespeare's work in Henry V, where Shakespeare described the English army on the morning of its heroic struggle with the French on the muddy field at Agincourt in 1445, when he wrote, from this day to the ending of the world, we in it shall be remembered, we band of brothers. Easy company, they experience tears in their fight. They face sickness, they face death, fear, joy, tragedy, friendship, loss, bravery, loneliness, pain. And you know, all those things brought them together. It brought them gratitude. It brought them thankfulness. Easy Company included men of Hispanic, Irish, Italian, and German heritage, some of them blue-collar workers, some of them college students, some members of well-to-do families, yet in spite of their differences, their experience, both good and bad, it brought them together in a very deep way to become a band of brothers. So as, as a church, as we examine Psalm chapter 30 this July 4th weekend, I want us to remember I want us to realize that because of our Lord, because of his goodness and his faithfulness, no matter what the season of our life is like because of Jesus, we can, as a church, be a band of brothers and sisters who even, even out of our seasons of mourning or dancing, we can and we should bring thankful praise to God, both personally and maybe as important, try to do that together. So, please turn in your Bible or on your device to Psalm chapter 30. And this is a Psalm of David that he wrote for a special occasion, the dedication of the temple. And one interesting note that happened after he died, the temple dedication, but let's recognize that David wanted to acknowledge the unique and special place that God's glory dwelled. Now, as the church, we are the people where God's glory now dwells. So, let's be a band of brothers and sisters who bring thankful praise to God for his consistent love, forgiveness, and peace. And as we do that, it will shape how we pray, how we talk to others, how we worry, how we love, and more. And this psalm will help us to do that. So let's start at verses 1 to 3, where David will give us some reasons to be thankful, or reasons to extol, which is to, to praise with enthusiasm. Now, before we get into it, let's touch on that for a moment, because for those of us who haven't had this vocabulary word yet, enthusiasm is the intense and eager enjoyment or interest or approval of something. Now, for example, I don't have to ask my kids to be enthusiastic about Disneyland. It's a different story when it comes to homework. With Disneyland or Minecraft or Percy Jackson novels, they extol praises 
all on their own. It's gut level stuff. It's natural joy that can't be kept in. It's, instead, it's unleashed with excitement. And David is showing us that worshipers of God will respond to him in that deep and in that natural, excited way. Let's read Psalm 31 to 3. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you've healed me. O Lord, you've brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. And here, David shows us that, that even inside of difficult times or especially in difficult times, gratitude, you can find it. And, and it should be looked for. And, and right in this passage, we see three reasons he could be thankful. Three reasons he could say thank you to his God. First of all, he was rescued from his enemies. Second of all, his prayers were answered in tough times. And third, he was rescued from God's judgment. Now really, this is such good news. What's the good news? Painful seasons don't have to be all bad. Bad times do not mean defeat for those who are faithful followers of the Lord. You see, it's within each of David's circumstances that he was able to find ways to enthusiastically praise his God. Now, wouldn't it be great if all of us could grow in that area? How would that change our church? How would that change our homeowners associations, our politics, our playgrounds? Think about this. A lack of gratitude, a refusal to be thankful. We can all suffer from it. Now, it's easy to pick on teenagers. They're very easy targets. Yes, they can be lack thankfulness at times. But what about adults stuck in line at the DMV? What about those Yelp reviewers whose food was a little cold? All of us should take a warning. And the warning is, ingratitude is a mark of people who don't know God. In Romans 1, Paul mentions, speaking of people without God in verse 16, he said, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul was big on thankfulness as the core of a believer's life. Even in the closing of his letter to the church at Thessalonica, Paul wrote in verse 16 of chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will is for his people to be thankful in all circumstances. And as we've heard every pastor everywhere say, do you know what the word all means? It means all. Being thankful in all circumstances. Now, I should say, this doesn't ignore real life. It doesn't downplay bad things happening. But I think what it's showing us is to keep our eyes on our king. Keep our eyes on his goodness, even when our circumstances are not the way we want them. Let's look at that second passage, verses 4 and 5, where David writes, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, 
For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. David has moved from his own circumstances, and he's asked all the other worshipers to join in. Okay, let's pause for a minute. How do you feel personally inside? How do you feel when people start singing happy birthday to you? Now, I know a lot of you extroverts love it. You feel like a golden retriever at the center of everyone's attention. That's what you're built for. Maybe some of you introverts feel like crawling under the table. Funny story, let me, let me tell you. One of my friends recently was at a restaurant in Laguna Beach. It was pretty quiet since they weren't at full capacity due to restrictions, but it was as full as possible. And midway through their meal, a man stood up on the other side of the restaurant and yelled, hey everyone, join me in singing this special lady's birthday song. And the whole restaurant did. And that made me think, if those people can sing for a random lady's birthday, surely the children of the king can enthusiastically sing to their God. So let's do that. Let's sing to our God. Let's proclaim enthusiastically out of love for him. Let's call each other to sing praise to the one worthy of praise. And, and I have to say, yes, even though we sing praise, there will still be weeping in this life. That's a true statement. That's a valid statement. And David reminds us, that even in the sadness, the morning is coming. Morning is here. It might wait till heaven, but the morning is coming. Our merciful God will make sure that it does. I think the author of Hebrews had this in mind, that the morning was coming. When he wrote in chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Apostle Paul, I think, was on the same page too when he wrote to the church at Colossae in chapter 3. He wrote to them saying, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness, in your hearts to God. So, band of brothers and sisters, let's all join in the song together. And I'm so glad that we're able to sort of meet in person together. Some of us in homes, some of us in the parking lot at church, we can somewhat join our voices together in praise to our King. All right, let's, let's look at the next section, verse 6 to 10, where David wrote, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You know, when life is easy, we often don't think about God, or, or we think we don't need God. And David reminds us that in reality, it is really only the Lord that holds us up. 
And at this point in 2020, this is so important. How can we get through all this uncertainty? We need to hold on to the Lord. And and David shows us this. David demonstrated it by actually praying to God, asking him for help. And something that's hard to learn is that the Lord's presence in our lives is based on us asking him to be there. So let's ask. Let's ask with gratitude. Let's not let desperate circumstances go wasted. Let's let them prompt us towards urgent prayers. And don't only pray for relief, but pray for relief. Also, pray for opportunities to tell other people about the Lord. The Apostle Paul actually demonstrated this for us as recorded in Acts 26. Anyone remember that? When he was in prison in Rome under King Agrippa and Governor Festus, he was making a long defense in front of them about a risen Jesus with these powerful leaders. Acts records it like this. As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Go, Paul! Let's be more like Paul. And to you, band of brothers and sisters, let's all hang on to the Lord together. Let's band together to make Jesus known wherever or whatever our circumstances have us in. Okay, last section. Let's look at verse 11 and 12 in chapter 30, where David wrote, You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Sackcloth for grace. This is one of the many costume changes mentioned in the Bible. Sackcloth to gladness. In the Bible, clothes can kind of be an imagery for someone's spiritual condition or their mindset. You'll remember the first costume change in the Bible was when God provided new clothes for Adam and Eve in exchange for what they'd made for themselves in the garden. In Zechariah chapter 3, there was Joshua the high priest who had dirty clothes on, and the devil was even there to accuse him. Then the Lord scolded Satan and had the dirty clothes removed and clean clothes and turban given to Joshua. All the way up in Matthew 22, we hear Jesus tell a story about a rich man who had a huge banquet for his son's marriage and invited guests to come. But here's the thing, they had to have the right clothes, which would gain them entrance to the banquet. You couldn't just show up with your own outfit You had to wear the clothes provided by the one who invited you. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we we know from verse 21 that Christians can only wear the righteousness of Christ. 
They can't wear their own righteousness. And David knows this. He celebrates that the mercy of God has changed his clothes from the clothes of mourning and sadness and shame to the clothes of forgiveness and joy. May all of us do the same today. If you've already placed your faith in Jesus, ask him this morning. Ask him to help you cry out in thanksgiving all the more. If today you're someone who's not said yes to Jesus yet, I pray that you'll have thankfulness and gratitude for the forgiveness Jesus offers you. And I pray that today you'll say yes to him today. And so, band of brothers and sisters, with all that we are, with all our glory, our entire being, let's not be silent. Let's lift our voices and sing. Let's remember what our Lord has done for us. And before we close, one quick reminder. It's the first Sunday of the month. And that means there's no better way to remember the goodness of the Lord than by taking communion. So I'll pray and we'll move into that time. Join me in praying. Lord, teach us to be thankful. Teach us to have gratitude for who you are and what you've done. May we hold fast to you through all our circumstances. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.